When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As consumers of technology, it's so easy to get frustrated when your phone doesn't work or your computer loses Wi-Fi. But the truth is probably most people don't even know how most of this technology works. We very rarely take the time to think about the people probably spent years laboring on this technology. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I spoke to Greg Twinney, the chief executive of Vancouver-based General Fusion. We already have nuclear fission, which is splitting atoms to create nuclear energy. But earlier this month, a U.S. government laboratory announced it created energy through a different type of nuclear process called fusion. It was the first time humans have ever done it, and if it could be replicated, it promises a carbon-free source of energy. To hear Twinney talk about what this entails, firing lasers at atoms, heating plasma to 100 million degrees and then sustaining it, is to understand what a moonshot is. And part of what's so interesting to me is that he's a business person who spent a career not in science and nuclear stuff, but in the technology sector. Very different. I hope you enjoy the show. It's edited for clarity and brevity. Hey, Greg, thanks so much for coming on Down to Business to talk to me. Gabe, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the interest. Cool. So there was a huge announcement this week about a breakthrough in nuclear fusion technology. Can you just tell me a little bit about what nuclear fusion is Sure. That's a great place to start. So fusion powers the sun and stars, you know, where immense forces compress and heat hydrogen plasma, fusing it into helium and releasing enormous amounts of energy. It has environmental, economic, and social benefits in terms of just being able to harness something like that on Earth. And uh, it's an incredibly dense source of energy. If you want to get a sense for just how dense, you know, one kilogram of fusion fuel, which we'll talk a little bit more about perhaps in a few minutes, would power 10,000 homes for one year and replace 55,000 barrels of oil. So again, one kilogram of fusion fuel could replace 55,000 barrels of oil. And this high density, right, enables fusion energy to power cities and industries with very little use of land and very, very small inputs. The key is that you're talking about nuclear fusion. That's right. And the nuclear energy we do have is nuclear fission. So it's like mm-hmm. splitting atoms versus fusing them. You got it. Yeah. Two very different and opposite physical processes for releasing energy from the nuclei of atoms. You, you mentioned it, fission, you're splitting heavy atoms apart like uranium or plutonium, which releases huge energy. But it also creates radioactive byproducts and has the side effects of being weaponizable, hmm. which is a big, big challenge. And, and, and fusion does not have that. Fusion is combining two light atoms, usually hydrogen, to form heavier uh, atoms like helium and releasing even greater quantities of energy without the long-lived radioactive byproducts, without the safety issues that you have with fission. It sounds incredible. But as I understand it, we've put billions of dollars into it. And it's still not commercial yet, but the big thing that happened this week that probably you were talking about a lot in your company and elsewhere was that they did it this week in, in, at the Lawrence Livermore Lab, right? Which is normally where they do, I think, like nuclear weapons. But I mean, maybe you could tell me what happened there. Yeah, it, it was a big, big milestone for the fusion industry to have Lawrence Livermore release the results that 
in a, in a very simple way, they obviously need to put energy into the process that they use to create fusion in a controlled manner. And the amount of energy that they put in to create the fusion reaction was exceeded by the energy that came out of the fusion reaction. And that's the first time ever that that has happened. Huh. Previously in fusion, people are able to create fusion conditions and create fusion quite frequently. But doing it in a manner where the energy you put in is less than the energy you get out has been the challenge. So <laughs> obviously, if you think about a power plant, uh, if you're having to put more energy in than when you get out, it's, it's not going to work uh, or be contributing in any, any meaningful way. No, it's the opposite of a power plant. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, we haven't even talked about this, but when you understand what they're actually doing, you can tell me if I'm wrong. They're firing lasers at hydrogen atoms, and like normally those atoms would repel each other, but instead somehow they got them to fuse, which they released more energy than they put into it. It's what happens yes. in the sun. That's called ignition. Yes. It was the first time humans have ever achieved this. You got it. It was. It was. It wasn't that much energy though, as I understand. Like fifteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Of exactly. Running a hairdryer or something. Not not a huge amount of energy, but it's demonstrating that this is possible. And now you move from, okay, it is possible, which previously had never been demonstrated. So how do you take it from possibility on a you know, one-shot deal to replicating that in a manner that will ultimately translate to something that's scalable? That's really where we come into the picture is that that's our end in mind. Our end in mind is putting power plants on the grid. That isn't necessarily where a lot of the national labs and academia spend their time and their focus. It's, uh, it's more on the science side. Right. Can you tell me a little about what General Fusion is doing mm -hmm. in Vancouver, in the UK? Sure. So to segue from what we were talking before, the, the sun and stars is using light atoms to create a heavy atom naturally through huge amounts of gravity and temperature. And so we're needing to recreate those conditions on Earth. And, and the ingredients for fusion in a fusion machine are fuel, which is usually hydrogen, as I mentioned, but then the product of time, density, and temperature. And through the, the product of time, density, and temperature, you can get hydrogen atoms to smash together hard enough that they, that they fuse. And there are really two main approaches that are used in order to do this. And in most academic labs, national labs, and even companies, there's either a machine that's called a magnetic confinement fusion machine, which is these, these huge donuts that you see called a tokamak, hmm. where what they're doing in that case is they're not using density as the main ingredient. They're actually using time. And so they're sustaining a plasma, which is ionized hydrogen at 100 million degrees on an ongoing basis Wow! inside these big donuts. And that's called magnetic confinement fusion because they're holding these plasmas with large superconducting magnets. So that's one approach. And hopefully you hold it long enough that stuff starts to fuse and, and you get ignition. The other approach is what the Lawrence Livermore lab is using, which is called inertial confinement fusion. And that's, that's really leaning heavy on density. So in the ingredient of density is the main one here and they're using lasers to compress on a pulsed basis the hydrogen to get the atoms close enough moving fast enough that they fuse but that happens in a nanosecond 
Huh. So those are the two main approaches that are out there. Every time I hear it, it sounds like science fiction. Let me just take a step back. You're in Vancouver today. What does your office look like? My office looks like anybody's office, uh, other than some pictures of, you know, some of the the challenges with climate change that motivate me and motivate us as a company. (laughs) And lots of positive messages about uh, technology in the future, in particular our technology. But if you were to walk about a thousand meters down the road, you would step into our labs, which doesn't look like any typical office or lab. It is pretty incredible. We have very large scale test beds plasma injectors, compression machines. These aren't things you go out and buy at your local hardware shop. These are huge machines that we have built over the last 20 years to prove out the system level prototype of our approach to fusion, which actually is neither of the two that I just described. And this is just in a normal part of British Columbia, the city somewhere? Uh, We just moved our labs to expand and we are literally at the end of the runway. Um, (laughs) <laughs> the Vancouver airport on, on Sea Island in uh, just a, uh, Richmond, BC. Yeah, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, part of what's so interesting about this is that we've spent decades, I think, trying to develop this technology. You said you spent 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's not just general fusion. All of a sudden, it seems like there's a lot of energy around this, people raising more money. Mm-hmm. It's not ready yet, but it no. seems to be like in some early stage of venture investment. Yeah, you've got the national labs and academia on the public side working heavily on the science, and that has advanced in an incredible amount, many, many decades of work, money going into these labs, and that has helped to advance the science. And then you've got really just a few companies that are taking that and trying to figure out how do you move that from science to something that's going to make the impact necessary to move the needle on climate change and address the multi-trillion dollar a year market that will come with that. And that's where we're at. And, and, and so we are taking a unique approach in creating fusion conditions. And that's, as I talked about these two other approaches, both magnetic and inertial confinement, sort of one that uses time and one that uses density, we actually sit right in the middle of it. And that's because we are using an approach that we believe translates to a commercial power plant. So Creating fusion conditions is good. Getting ignition is really good. That's the recent announcement. But doing all of that in a fashion that will translate to a commercial power plant where you're not destroying the machine with 100 million degree temperatures, where you're able to extract the energy and you know either run it through some sort of a heat exchanger, create steam and put energy on the grid, and, and where you're able to sustain the fuel. Like If you don't have those three attributes solved, don't destroy the machine, you know, extract the heat and create the fuel, you don't have the ingredients for a power plant. And that is what we've been working on for 20 years is a power plant configuration that will put us first on the grid in, in the early 2030s with a commercial power plant based on fusion. Early 2030s. Wow. It's remarkable. I know, too, that in 2020 or sometime during the pandemic, that General Fusion won this giant award from the UK government Mm -hmm. to build like a demonstration plant in Mm -hmm. the United Kingdom, right? We did. I was talking about, and you're asking, what does our lab look like? 
you know, we have these large plasma injectors and compression systems that, that are really amazing here in Vancouver. However, the next phase for us now that we've reached the level of confidence with those test beds is to put it all together and demonstrate it at power plant relevant scale. And we're doing that in the UK at the Column Center for Fusion Energy. And the reason we are so excited about that is because that is many in the industry consider to be the center of the universe when it comes to fusion, fusion research and, and operating machines. In fact, the world's largest machine jet, which was the predecessor of, of the ITER project, this big government project happening in France. That jet machine sits in the Column Center for Fusion Energy and will be a couple hundred yards from where we're, we are building our power plant demonstration of fusion and be operating that thing in 2026, 2027 timeframe. So, you know, we're surrounded by the best of the best in, in fusion and we'll be contributing to that ecosystem with our machine, our people, and uh, levering the science, the supply chain, and, and all of that over there in the UK. It's a huge, huge milestone for us. It's a government-backed project too, right? Yeah, partially. The UK government is providing some capital. There's a lot of collaboration between us and them. It complements government capital that we have received from the Canadian government and the US as well. And private capital makes up about two-thirds of all the capital we, we, we have received to date. You guys have a couple billionaires as investors. <laughs> we do, yes. Not just governments, but I guess billionaires too are putting money into this because it is seen as a climate change solution. Creating a carbon-free source of energy with little waste, less risk of a nuclear runaway reaction a la Chernobyl. No risk. Yeah, not possible. Yeah, it's just not possible. The science of fusion doesn't work like that. It's not a chain reaction. You need to dump a lot of energy into it to get it to work. So you just dial that energy back by a small amount. In our case, we're using a pulse compression, much like a diesel engine. And we don't pulse. And it's pretty anticlimactic what happens. Like it just nothing. Okay. <laughs> so there's zero chance of, of an accident in that way. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, that sort of helps understand why the money's coming into this. I was wondering something about a personal level for you, what your background was, how you got into this really scientific, very technical position at General Fusion. Yeah, so I uh, have a background of the last 20, 25 years working with a founder who has technical expertise in some particular area. It hasn't been deep tech, it's been in tech. So whether that be data center robots in the mid-2000s, ebooks coming out of 2000s, um, huh. a Uber for real estate with a company called Real Matters. So working with founders who have a disruptive technical idea, they need to turn that into a business, commercialize it, scale it, and fund it. And in the, in the case for me, uh, the four companies that I, I did that at, we had very good outcomes. All of those businesses are very successful and either we sold them to the likes of like a Microsoft or a Rakuten to take them and run with it, 
or went public via IPO. Wow. And so a history of taking technologies, commercializing them and, and turning them into businesses. And I'd done that for almost 25 years. And now three years ago, looked to how do I take all of this experience and apply it to something that will be even bigger, more impactful, not just financially impactful, but impactful. And when I look around at technologies that need to come to market to make a massive impact, I can't think of anything bigger than Fusion. And I can't think of another company that is ready to break out of the lab and into commercialization anywhere near where we are. That's an interesting way of putting it. What's different Mm -hmm. about this job, I I wonder? Yeah, this is, it's, it's hard tech. And so the iteration that you do in more simple tech, you can iterate much quicker and the decisions you make are more frequent and you can pivot quicker and easier in something like this, where you've been working on it in labs for 20 plus years. The decisions are less frequent, but they're more meaningful because, uh, you know, it's not, not as easy as iterating on and code, you know, if, um, software code or something like that. You're talking about massive machines that take years to build, test and diagnose and teams to, to run them. So it's a slower build, but a I think, you know, with that is, is much more meaningful. You're talking about solving climate change and, and entering in and, and trying to dominate a multi-trillion dollar a year market within the next decade. That is a, a huge, huge challenge. Grateful to be able to lead this team of 200 on that path. And I think without having spent the last 20 plus years as an entrepreneur solving these challenges in other companies, I probably wouldn't have been ready to, to take this on. To, to hear you talk about climate change, I was reading somewhere that some people were criticizing nuclear fusion, mm. saying that like, yeah, this is technology that could stave off climate change. But if it doesn't work, it could also end up being this huge distraction. Mm. Because most plasma physicists think it's still years away. You said 2030 is when you guys hope to commercialize it. Mm. And some people would say this money would be better spent on wind, solar, more reliable sources of energy. What type of pressure do those dynamics put on you Mm. as a CEO? We, as a company, believe that fusion is a necessary part of the future of energy, like necessary, meaning that is the end in mind we all need to get to globally. Therefore, you do need to invest in and think about the little bit longer term than what's right in front of you this decade. Because if you don't, you're just pushing off a problem that will not be solved using the existing technology. So wind and solar are obviously something that's available now and it has been successful in abating some generation of carbon. But if you think about the global energy demand that exists today and, and the growth it's going to have over the next couple of decades, you know, tripling perhaps, maybe more, There is not enough land, not enough sunshine, days of sunshine or storage to be able to utilize wind and solar in the long term. So the future will be a a mix of technologies, depending on where you are. There will be places where wind and solar are, are very efficient, especially in the margin when it's sunny and when it's windy. But in terms of baseload power that's on demand that you can count on regardless of conditions, it's been oil, it's been fossil based. We need to switch that. This is where fusion comes in. Yeah. Is is there like an example, some sort of corollary from history of a technology that was such a moonshot that you sometimes think about or you know mm-hmm. tell your employees about when you have moments of doubt? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I there's, there's a few. I think about flight, right? Think about uh, the Wright brothers. Yeah. Until they demonstrated uh, that uh, you could get a plane moving up and, and actually through the sky, people were like, "That's that's ridiculous. How could something?" hang in in air when there's nothing to hold it up it doesn't make any sense right like that's just not possible and they kept at it and they kept at it and until they demonstrated and then else people are like whoa and here we are now we get annoyed if there's not wi-fi in the plane while we make our you know five-hour journey across the continent and (laughs) it's impossible until you demonstrate that it is and you need to have the belief based on the work you're doing the progress you're making that it is possible and that's the belief that we have as a team because we have been at this 20 years and have made enormous progress on a technology approach that will translate to a commercial power plant. So I'd say there's that one. The other one that's maybe more near and maybe a little less out there is think of SpaceX and that's a bit of a translation of the public approach to creating fusion and translating it to a a private, you know, SpaceX, I think, reduced the cost of space uh, travel and launches by like 100x. So if you would have told NASA that they were going to be able to do that in the course of a couple of decades, reduce the cost of spaceflight by 100x and be landing rockets, no way, it's not possible. And then then it was. And now there's lots of people doing it and going after it. So yeah. You gotta, you gotta have a really strong. Is it worth it? This is what's my why. Absolutely, this is worth it. And you gotta believe that what you're, the path that you're on, is one that will get you there despite all of the the challenges. Because it's, this is not easy. What's your day to day like? Like, what what are you focused on on a sort of regular basis? I have two main focuses. I would say one is making sure that as a team we are on track to deliver our demonstration in the UK. In 2026, 2027, so large-scale powerplant-relevant demonstration of our technology, that is a massive milestone, and, and absolutely, ne- that'll be our Kitty Hawk moment, and absolutely necessary. The second thing that I spend probably more time on right now is fundraising. Yeah, uh, the reality is, the capital is the biggest constraint we have in terms of going faster and de-risking this. And so I spend a lot of time out raising capital, telling the story, finding investors that can take the time, the energy to diligence this and and get engaged. And it's you, I think asked about this earlier in terms of types of investors or that we have and that are getting interested in this. And it's evolving and maturing, which is good as the technology's matured. We've seen the types of investors that want to lean into Fusion and be a part of it mature as well and bring on large institutional investors. And the next phase probably is strategic investors. These are people who perhaps play in the energy market already are and are looking at their business and trying to figure out how do they get involved in Fusion as a business. That's exciting for us, too. Yeah, I can imagine anything that moves this forward has got to be super exciting to work on it. Definitely. What does the future of the next year or two hold for General Fusion? For us, two, two big things on that path. The demonstration will happen. We'll be putting a shovel in the ground for that demonstration in the UK early early half of 2023. So that'll be a groundbreaking on, on wow, this very un- unique facility. It'll be very, very exciting. We hope to close some capital in the early to mid-2023 timeframe as well uh, that will help us fund that. And then the next thing following that will be 
we're going to stand up our first a plasma injector. So this a major component of our approach to fusion will be stood up at the end of 2024 and we'll be firing plasmas in the UK in advance of us having the full machine built. We're going to be sort of using a phased approach and, and that'll be a big milestone in the world of fusion. Firing your first plasma on a machine is, is a kind of a big deal. I, I can understand why. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining me, Greg. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. No, it's, it's my pleasure, Gabe. Yeah. That was Greg Twinney, the CEO of General Fusion. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Down to Business. We're going to take a break for the holiday season, but we'll return in just a few weeks. Bryce Hall composed and performed the original music on Down to Business. He designed the logo for Down to Business, and he produced this episode. Victoria Wells, Noella Ovid, and Pamela Heaven provided editing and web support. I'm Gabe Friedman, and until the next episode of Down to Business returns, check out the Financial Post website for news about what's happening in the Canadian economy and the business world.